The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. and happy holidays you know as much as this time of year is about making memories with friends and family it's also about one other thing toys whether it's 2022 or 1992 no kid wanted to find socks or the complete set of encyclopedia britannica under the tree no they wanted colorful molded plastic preferably in the shape of their favorite cartoon movie or comics characters now wizard magazine knew this and that's why in 1996 they decided to take their normal two to four pages covering toy news each issue and expand it out to a full magazine called toy fair you read it you loved it now let's get into it still frustrated that i never received the toy biz x-men mutant hall of fame set in 1993 i'm adam and if the kenner superpowers hall of justice had been in my hands on christmas morning in 1986 i'd still be crying tears of joy to this day i'm michael you know this isn't a normal episode of the podcast obviously this is a bonus episode so we've tried to create like new categories new segments so to speak as we're moving along in the podcast so we're going to start out here with a little bit of history about the making of toy fair in something we're calling prototypes Toy Fair was far from the first toy collector's magazine, though it was certainly the most successful. Before this special hit, Magazine Racks, in November of 1996, you could find printed coverage of the latest toy releases and retrospectives on older toy lines in various publications. But before this momentous date, where were you getting your toy news and pricing on vintage collectibles? Was it... Model and Toy Collector? Never heard of it. <laughs> Homart's Action Figure Digest? Action Figure News and Toy Review? Or the early internet on the AOLs? <laughs> <laughs> So here's the truth, Michael. I bought all of those magazines. Model and Toy Collector, I still have an issue that has the shadow on the front. Tomart's Action Figure Digest, I bought a few issues of that, but usually I bought their big collected editions that they did these like hardbound. They were price guides, but they were only good for a year, you know, but they were super cool. Action Figure News and Toy Review is one that I always saw on the magazine rack, but I never got it. But I'm curious for you, did you ever try to price out your toys? Like, were you ever trying to figure out like what, how collectible they were years later so you know once ebay really became a thing and i no longer had most of my toys my mother either gave them away or i chewed their hands and feet off i looked them up online and i was like weeping like oh the ecto one or like my early he-man and like my early gi joe figures and i'm like if i had only kept them in the packaging what a what a rich man i would be today <laughs> kind oh. of thing but never never in high school really i never even thought to do that it wasn't even a, a, a whim in my brain to think of yeah and i really i was reading it just like wizard the price guide was never anything i was paying attention to it was a hundred percent i just wanted the news on the latest toys or to learn about old toys from like the 70s and stuff i just wanted like the history of it all uh, you know what's yeah. funny i had a friend like in middle school and such and i guess his dad 
had left him all of his like vintage like 12 inch gi joe figures the really old looking ones like the barbie ones that kind of stuff and he had them all in the packaging like on the ceiling of his room like and i'm like why do you have those up there do you want to play with no i'm not allowed to play with them you're not allowed to play with them (laughs) I was like, that dad was on to something. He knew. He knew yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, I, I just inherited my brother's old toys when I moved into his room when I was like seven or eight. And he gave oh. me his old toys. I was like, hey, cool. What is this giant guy with fuzzy hair and a beard? He's got a jumpsuit <laughs> on. Like, I, didn't, I had no idea. Uh, but it, what's interesting, Michael, is that the creators of Toy Fair magazine, the wizard staffers who decided they were going to put this together, they too were actually big fans of the toys of that era. And just to give some context on the passion that went into creating this magazine. Editor-in-Chief Pat McCallum explains the origins of the idea in his opening letter, stating, quote, The few magazines devoted to this hobby didn't impress me all that much. I wanted something that played with the toys as well as reported on them. Something that was entertaining, amusing, and informative. I wanted Toy Fair. So, after selling the idea of a guide to toys special to the publisher of Wizard Press, I love how he doesn't even mention Garib's name, the publisher Mm -hmm. of Wizard Press, (laughs) putting to paper all the ideas that were floating around my head as to what would be in such a book, the Toy Fair staff launched itself into 10-hour days, poring over research books, catalogs, and photo guides, All in all, about a year's worth of work crammed into five months. The end result? The Toy Fair book that I wanted so long ago was finally in my hands, as it's now in yours. Because aside from writing about the toys, researching the toys, photographing the toys, and breathing the toys, I'm still a toy fan. And that's who we made this book for. So that is, yeah, when you're opening up an issue of Toy Fair, that is what you should be thinking about. And speaking of the special folks who put this magazine together, because we know you all are hungry for more Toy Fair talk, we've been hearing about it since the beginning of the podcast. When are you going to cover Toy Fair? We are bringing you, in addition to this episode, a behind the scenes look at the making of Toy Fair in a special roundtable discussion with former Toy Fair staffers like the founding editor Scott Beatty, design manager Steve Blackwell, copy editor Andrew Carden and contributing editor Brian Cunningham. Brian had his fingers in everything. Like he, was he literally <laughs> was involved in all the things, I feel like. It's well, crazy. and he was he was actually like the original toy columnist in Wizard if you recall. Yes, I do. But as for what we're talking about tonight, the first toy fair was a winter special sporting a cover featuring amazing custom X-Men figures by multiple homemade heroes award winner Charlie Flat. These custom dolls were posed to recreate the cover of Uncanny X-Men 126, which had the Mighty Mutants jumping out towards the reader. Inside, there was also a mail-away offer for an exclusive Molten Man action figure, which led to some letters from, let's call them, opinionated fans, (laughs) which we will discuss later in the episode. As far as letters for this issue, Wizard told their AOL users in order to gather enough correspondence to fill their fanfare letters page. So let's see what the toy obsessed fans online were talking about. So first up here, 
Toy Fair. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't toy companies in the business of making toys? I know the collector's market is strong and all, but that part of the hobby will be there regardless of how they're catered to. And how they're being catered to is the problem. The way this industry is headed, it's going to bottom out just like sports cards and comic books did. Why? Because people like me, who buy one of each figure, open them, and enjoy them, are beginning to get really pissed off at the amount of ridiculous variants and limited edition figures being produced. They vanish off the shelves in a heartbeat, if they even hit the shelves forcing a fan into a specialty shop to pay through the nose to get one. Hey, I'd really love to get a Red Angela. My options? Buy it through the McFarland Toy Club at $15, which still seems kind of pricey, or wait and pay twice that or more from some greedy toy monger. How about a Tapestry Picard? Love one, but seeing how Playmates only made 1,701 of them, read, catering to collectors only, I can't afford its $1,000 plus price tag. But why am I writing to you guys? According to the ads for this toy special, if I'm real lucky... I can get a limited edition Molten Man figure if I'm the one of the first 7,500 people to order, because that's how many are making of this figure, which will never be made available again. Hey, great. I appreciate it. So do you, the toy companies, and to all the people who wait outside Toys R Us at 9 a.m. to buy out all the hot toys, keep it up. Keep on frustrating collectors and keep screwing over the core group of fans that make up most of your audience, just like fans love sports cards and comics. You'll drive the true fans out of the toy hobby. But on the bright side, you won't have to hear us bitch about the limited edition figures and you won't have any competition when you go to clean out the shelves you just might have some trouble selling them joel riley alexandria virginia future twitter troll (laughs) i I think i i think i died got resurrected (laughs) and then fell asleep and then was murdered again listening to that lengthy diatribe Uh, holy yeah i mean it's crazy they're like yep just another example of the man trying to keep us down (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're oh, with God. you buddy you're not crazy <laughs> exactly I, I mean just imagine that guy now though the, the, predicting oh. that the toy industry was going to go out of business and looking at how extreme it is in terms of being focused towards the collector now it's insane this guy sits in his lonely studio apartment reading like the wall street journal in the dark shaking his fist and screaming at the world damn <laughs> you toys all right well, let's check out what this next guy has to say He might have a few other ideas. Alrighty. Hey guys, why is it so hard to find some action figure lines when they're released? When the Shadows of the Empire figures began shipping, I couldn't find them anywhere. The only Star Wars figures I could find were old Chewbacca's and Boba Fett's. It's the same thing with any cool new toy line. Try finding anybody other than Batman from Kenner's Total Justice line, or Stealth Wolverine from Toy Biz's Light Up X-Men line. Stealth Wolvie looks constipated, by the way. Do the companies intentionally make the new figures really rare in order to get the interest up? Do they not put the newer toys out until the older toys from that line sell out? There's got to be some reason why certain figures from toy lines, and occasionally entire toy lines are so impossible to find paul winthrop san diego california okay are the toy companies out to get you no while the collector's market that being people who buy one of each figure and who actually know who bouches i don't know what bouches boosh, boosh. Boosh? oh say bouches <laughs> okay sure it must be a 90s term that i don't remember is pretty big the mass market audience mostly little kids who just want luke han and r2d2 and couldn't give a rat's ass about boosh is where the real money is 
That being the case, the high-profile figures, Han and Luke again, are packed more to the case than the lesser-known figures like Bausch because the mass market wants Han, 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 and Luke, Luke, Luke. As far as the entire new line selling out, collectors usually gobble up the first few shipments of hot toys. It's funny they use hot toys. Be patient. After a couple of months of rapid sellouts, new toy lines become easy to find. And lastly, no toy stores will put out new product as soon as they get it in. Yeah, so it's interesting here. Just so you know, Michael, we are going to reveal the mystery of Boosh for you because Star Wars fans are shaking their fist at you right now. I don't now. care. But later, <laughs> later in this episode, you will find out be like, oh, now I get it. Uh, oh, but yeah. It's a st- I, I kind of got the context of it as I was reading it. I'm like, who is Boosh? I, I mean, <laughs> I've seen all the Star Wars movies multiple times, but I don't remember Boosh at all. So. Well, it's going to be a secret reveal because there's more to the character than you might imagine. But here's the thing, like the same complaints you are hearing that, you know, sets social media ablaze on a regular basis if you're in, you know, collecting circles. It's 100% the same thing that was happening in 1997. Like it was just... It's the children of these people. (laughs) No, they've just gotten older, crankier, and have more disposable income, and yet they can't find what they want to (laughs) buy. So it is rough. It is rough. But I want to mention too, that this section also featured two online polls results. And the first asked, what makes you buy an action figure? So 37% declared their love for the look and sculpt, while the next largest categories were split evenly between play value and posability and collectability resale value, each getting 23%. Now, a minority of 10% said it was for their personal collection, and the remaining 7% claimed the accessories were what enticed them to fork over their dough. Who is buying a figure for the accessories? I just love that gun. <laughs> Toss the figure uh, but for you michael what is your deciding factor for action figure purchases these days or back then it's got to be head sculpt really if the head looks good i'm usually on board sometimes the accessories are kind of cool but mostly it's the head sculpt and i also like like an articulating cape like let's say it's a batman figure mm-hmm. if i can like manipulate the cape to do certain things that's kind of cool for me some of it a little bit of his nostalgia that's probably it but mostly head sculpt i would would say for sure. Yeah, I think I'm in that 10% that said it was personal collection because the way I'm interpreting that is to say, I have a very narrow focus of what I care about. And so I will buy the thing that fits into my Spider-Man 2099 collection. Or, you know, if they come out with a new Madman figure, okay, I'll buy that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so my my decision making these days, especially has been, okay, I want to buy all of the things related to this, you know, specific brand that I love, but I'm not going to buy everything thing in a series like i don't need a full you know wave of figures and say oh i got them all like that's not what it's about for me so it's funny you mentioned waves of figures i hate the build a figure line because and and marvel legends is big for this nowadays it's like you got to buy six different figures to build a, a super figure like like a molten man for example but maybe you want two of that line but then you have all these extra parts build the figures it really annoys me that's why you gotta find friends that are like kit bashers and you just sell them those pieces and they can make some other crazy character out of them (laughs) too lazy so then toy fair goes on to also do a poll about who everybody's favorite companies are that are producing action figures not surprisingly at this time again the hot new company on the block mcfarland toys was the leader with 46 percent toy biz earned 26 percent kenner hasbro scored just 15 percent and 
and all the other companies combined said 8%, except for Playmates, who garnered a measly 4%. Feels like the Star Trek figures, I guess, had lost their luster for people like the 20th wave of Star Trek, the next generation, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek whatever. But who do you think you would have voted for in 96 if you just said, I always like what this company puts out? Probably Kenner or Toy Biz. Because most of the McFarlane toys back then were all spawn-based, and I didn't care all that much. But, like, you know, anything like Toy Biz or Kenner were, were big for me. Yeah, I got to go with Toy Biz because the majority of my action figures in my room, and I had like a whole shelf of them. They were like all Toy Biz. They just, they put out so much product, and we're going to get into that shortly here. But first, Michael, we have to check out our... The top story of this issue announces that Walmart exclusive Tiger Electronics release of a Turbo Man action figure to tie in with the Jingle All the Way film, whose story centers around a dad played by Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to find this exact toy for his son. Say Turbo Man. <laughs> the talking Turbo Man figure had four built-in phrases. <laughs> Flashing leg turbo lights, a turbo disc launcher, a collapsible turbo rang, and rocket pack with rocket sounds and lights. The figure did not create the Tickle Me Elmo style frenzy for Christmas of 96, but just last year, Walmart once again had a turbo man on store shelves that was made by Funko. Did you see this in the wild? I didn't. I don't go to Walmart all that often, but... Did you see it, Adam? I did, actually. So I I remember like people talking about it online. I can't believe they're putting this out. And I walked into our local Walmart and I saw it there on the shelf and I was like, don't need it. But there it is. It exists. And I actually, that year, I uh, I checked out the jingle all the way. I hadn't actually seen it all the way through. And I was amazed how many 90s action figures are in there. There's Toy Biz. There's McFarlane. There's so many. And I actually did an article for the Retro Network that we'll, we'll share on our social media, breaking down all the scenes where action figures are in a toy store in the kid's room and identifying them all. So you guys could uh, check that out because it was I was just so amazed. I couldn't believe it. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, next up here, Rob Liefeld Toy Properties in Limbo reveals that both Profit and Youngblood figures are on hold at Trendmasters, who, when contacted, simply stated, quote, there's nothing to talk about on those two items. As far as Profit and Youngblood go, there is nothing planned at this time. <laughs> Matt Hawkins from Extreme Studios tries to put a positive spin on the delayed production, saying, quote, we didn't want to rush out a line of toys for the fall, so Trendmasters is kind of waiting off, trying to put together the best quality line they can. They want to compete with Todd's figures, which are high quality. Now, speaking of the former toy license holder for the Liefeld properties, Todd McFarlane explains why he didn't fight for the rights to keep producing figures based on Rob's comics. Quote, at some point, I have to sell X number of units. I just wasn't selling the number of Youngblood units that I had produced. So there it is. Played economics there. Nobody was buying Youngblood figures. No now, kidding. <laughs> In case oh. you were wondering, these Profit and Youngblood toys are never released by Trendmasters, though Rob does eventually release a Profit figure through his own Extreme Toys company. Now, some of you might recall we got our hands on a couple of those, courtesy of former Wizard toy columnist Sean Ani, and we used them as giveaway prizes 
to listeners because we did not need them. <laughs> but some people wanted them. Now, it should be mentioned, though, that Sean Ani is the one who created the toy price guide for Wizard Magazine that was then transferred over to Toy Fair, though he was not an official member of the founding editorial team for Toy Fair. So check out his interview on the Wizard Files for the whole story there. While we're talking about Todd, McFarland Toys launches Collectors Club is a headline that introduces this new opportunity for fans who want an inside track on getting their hands on Spawn and Friends. Todd explains, A lot of people have trouble finding my figures. Many sell out within a few days of being on the shelves. This toy club will give everyone an equal chance to get the toys, even customers overseas. Silver memberships were being offered for free and provided access to older figures and rare regional exclusives, while a gold membership cost $15 and allowed for 10% off all purchases, plus a new exclusive action figure each year. The first of these was a red Angela Ultra action figure. Have you ever joined any of these kind of clubs to get access to exclusive figures? I haven't. I've always heard about like Maddie Collectors Club from Mattel. A lot of people wanted their like really exclusive rare He-Man figures and stuff like that, but I've never needed to have it, especially because I'm not that big on new releases, even if they're based on retro properties, you know? So it's one of those things where I've, I've only heard disappointment from people that the clubs don't often run the way they wish they would, and then they eventually peter out. So, so I've been involved with more than one. Uh, Marvel's Collector's Corpse. Like when Funko was getting really, really big early on, they started a Marvel Collector Corpse and they sent you an exclusive Funko figure every month, a t-shirt, all kinds of different little tchotchkes. And there was also a DC one that was like Legion of Collectors. I was getting both of those each month for a while. I did the Star Wars one for Funko for a little while. Wow. Yeah, it was like... It was like 30 bucks a month per, and I did it for maybe about a year or so, year and a half. I had all these t-shirts that I ended up selling them on eBay and made a decent amount of money on these stupid t-shirts who wanted <laughs> the t-shirt. And then through Zenoscope, I am a VIP member, and it was like 100 bucks for life. And I get exclusive access to things and VIP variant covers and stuff like that all the time and cool, cool stuff, so... Uh, we should say, if you guys out there want to be part of an exclusive club, join our Patreon. Just saying. <laughs> Lots of cool, cool stuff there. But yeah, I mean, for some people it works. So they, they want to be on the, the inside track for all that stuff, which is cool. Now, I do want to mention that uh, running continuously across the bottom of the news section was a photo comic strip of Mego Spider-Man teaching readers how to do the 90s dance craze, the Macarena. <laughs> and the, the webhead is then confronted by Mego Thor, who basically you know, accuses him of embarrassing himself, and Spidey says, shut up, you're just pissed that I've got like nine monthly books in a cartoon while well, your stupid book was cancelled as part of that Heroes Reborn crap. And then Thor just runs off head in hands crying. So <laughs> this is the first Twisted Toy Fair Theater comic, though at this time it was called Twisted Mego Theater. Of course, it would eventually become the most popular feature of the magazine lead to many collected editions of just the Twisted Toy Fair comics zany and raunchy and definitely a precursor to Adult Swim's Robot Chicken. So it all started here. I feel like Seth Green of, you know, Ro Robot Chicken and everything, he would definitely be someone that was into all this stuff. And I'm sure a lot of the ideas came from 
Toy Fair and Wizard Magazine. For oh, sure. they 100% were. He became friends with Wizard staffers, Matt Senreich, who's his partner on Robot Chicken. He was like the editor of Toy Fair eventually. And he was handling all those things. So like he was such a fan of action figures, such a fan of Wizard and Toy Fair. That's where they hooked up. And that's where, you know, he literally took Robot Chicken from Twisted Toy Fair Theater. So yeah, it's pretty wild. But let's uh, get into our next segment here, Michael, that we're calling On the Pegs. Getting into the main features of this issue, Man of Action is an interview with the mind behind Toy Biz, Avi Arad, who explains how he came to be involved in the company's output. Quote, I got involved in Toy Biz many years ago. A friend of mine owned it and he said, help me out here. I said, why don't we do the X-Men? I remember Stan Lee and I went on the road to try and sell the television show. We were completely unsuccessful. I decided the hell with the TV series. Let's do the toys anyway. Of course, that first wave of uncanny X-Men toys was hugely popular and the rest is history. I'm just staring at this picture of all these figures in front of him, and I'm just like, this is wild. (laughs) He has a bunch of prototypes in this room. That's what's around him are the prototype sculpts. Mm -hmm. And what's wild is on episode 67 that we just released, Stephen's friend Richie said he got one of those prototypes from like, uh, you know, a mom's friend's boyfriend or something, like gave it to him. And then Toy Biz was selling them off in the pages of Wizard. There was like this auction you could call into. And a lot of the ones that were listed are in this photo. So they were literally in Avi Arad's office at some point, it seems like. That's wild. Yeah. But then when asked about whether playability or looks are more important, Avi declares, quote, the challenge is to do both. That's where Toy Biz made its name. Our figures do things and look incredible. Arad also explains how he decides what characters to turn into toys. We pay attention to Marvel Publishing. I pay attention to Wizard Column's Toy Chest and Wishlist and what the fans want to see. They're very important and are attuned to what people want to see. So right there, guys. So many of your favorite toys. We're going to you know, continue this trend here of realizing this. Wizard was influencing that. People writing into Wizard saying, I want this toy, or just the Wizard staffers saying, here's our wish list, was literally influencing what the manufacturers were making. So on this topic, he explains how intense the fans can be sometimes. Quote, I used to have a lunatic calling me all the time about Ghost Rider. There were letters. I was going to turn him over to the FBI. The guy was a nut. Adam Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, one day I called him and it turned out he was a 30-year-old from Houston. He was very nice. He said, you do all these figures. Why not Ghost Rider? So I said, okay, guy, we'll get to you. And we did. It's amazing just to think about that, Michael, that one insistent, obsessed fan created that Ghost Rider toy line. Do you remember how it just seemed, it seemed like it came out of nowhere? Yes, I remember that one. And it must have been just because Avi Arad wanted to shut this guy up. We made it. We made it. Stop calling. <laughs> Leave me alone. Finally, I... when asked which of the figures produced by Toy Biz over the years is his favorite, Arad admits that the Beast from the X-Men captured his heart because of the flipping mechanism on such a large figure that they were able to execute That's have you ever cool. seen this figure it, i, I it, know of it yeah i mean it, it was just it's a gigantic figure it's beautiful i remember hunting for that as a kid and then christmas 1994 i got it i actually just found a photo of me i have a box of rollerblades i got and i'm holding the beast figure on top of it because i'm so proud but that flipping mechanism never worked 
So maybe in the Toy Biz offices, but not there. So let me ask you this though, Michael. Was Toy Biz the best comic book action figure company of the 90s, even looking forward a few more years from this point? What do you think? I would say if if nothing else, they're definitely the most recognizable name in toys of that, oh, yeah. that era for sure. Were they the best? Probably. I mean, they had the most characters i think they had the most licenses i feel like that yeah you know and i'm just looking at this right here of these prototypes and i had to call this out <laughs> this is this is a callback to a very very early episode of the wizards podcast in the very foreground we see the human torch doing his flame on and he's like halfway on fire and it is an incredible figure and if anybody knows what i'm referencing with the flame on joke <laughs> this is a callback to it and it is a wild figure i can't believe how cool this thing is i can't believe this was engineered in the 90s which I find yeah he is mid transformation and if you don't yes if you are new to the podcast you're just tuning in for the first time for this toy fair special michael used to handle our mini episodes and there was a flub and we never let him live it down so <laughs> It was Somebody very, very drew fun. some comic art about it and said it to me. Yep. <laughs> Now, this is why I would say yes, Toy Biz was, because while McFarlane, everybody loved their sculpts and they definitely innovated on quality, they had so many characters you'd never heard of or care exactly. about. Yep. And like, you know, and so to me, like Toy Biz, like really zeroed in on beloved characters. And just from the fact that they created the Marvel Legends line, because that upped the game again. And I feel like that was like huge. So once they innovated in that way, I just say, yes, you guys won. But uh, take us into the next piece here, Michael. On the topic of Toy Biz, it was mentioned in an interview with Avi Arad that the entire wave of Iron Man figures was canceled when the animated series went from network TV to syndication in season two, causing sales to drop. But Toy Fair ran a contest in this issue where a prototype of one of the figures from the line, Dark Aggies? Dark that? Aegis, I think. I never even I, heard I think of it. the name Aegis, I think that Jim Lee tried to make that the name of his company. And he's like, nobody can say it. And then he changed it. <laughs> Smart move. Would be awarded to the reader who could correctly identify all the random figure parts of a bizarre mashup creation pictured on the contest page. If you remember, the old comic book ads for Combo Man that mash up a bunch of Marvel character costumes, it's similar to that. Can you recognize all the limbs? I would love to say that I can, but I, I know me and I know I can't. Yeah, you can't do it. I mean, it's tricky stuff here because like they are really obscure and I will say we are going to reveal it later in the episode because there is a follow-up to this contest but I will say when I first looked at it, the only thing I recognized was Cyclops's hand. So you see a Cyclops hand from the Cyclops 2 action figure. And then one of the arms, I thought I recognized it. And when I found out what it really was, I was like, oh, I was wrong. I thought I was so clever. I want to have this figure, though. I don't want this prototype of Dark Aegis, whatever that is. I've never heard of that character. I don't care. I want this weirdo mashup figure. I want to know what happened to it. So if anybody out there is a super Toy Biz collector and you know the whereabouts of this figure, man, I mean, we need that for the archives here, Michael. Could it be all Marvel or could it be other franchises? franchises as well i'm pretty sure it's all marvel just because toy biz's output was all marvel right. <laughs> pretty much i'm thinking that upper left arm is colossus 
just because and of the I, and I had a different theory. I thought it was like like Sunspot or not Sunspot. Who is oh, this what, other guy? The Japanese that, character. That red Sunfire. character. No, like a red uh, red something. If you ask me, this this leg with a gray stone, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I know. That's said... what I'm saying. Like, you, you would think it'd be so easy, but they picked, like, obscure characters. Even the head. Who is that head supposed to be? We don't know. Oh, so we will find out, that though. sidekick <laughs> of um of Captain America? Is not, Bucky. Not Bucky. Not no, Bucky. not Bucky. No. Oh, Nomad? Yeah, but what's his other name? Jack, Jack something. Yeah, Jack something. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that that's his head. Like I say, we'll figure it out soon enough. But yeah, you look at it, you're just like, I could do this. And you're like, I can't. I can't do this. <laughs> it's too hard. Now, I just want to mention there are several other articles in this issue that we're going to skip over. I'll give a brief mention to them. First is called Action Plan, which is an article about the manufacturing process at Toy Biz. It was already featured in an issue of Wizard, and they just repurposed it for this special issue. So they just brought that over. Fill some pages. Next is called The Power of the Force, which covers the history of Star Wars merchandise since the 70s. Guys, that is a subject that has been covered in great detail since the internet was born on thousands of websites. You don't need us to talk about it from Toy Fair. Uh, Finally, Keep on Trekking is an identical article, but now covering all the Star Trek toys created since the 60s up until these Playmates action figures of the 90s, which, according to that poll we reported on, was running out of steam by 1996. But what we will talk about is the How to Make a Homemade Hero feature which provides five easy steps to creating a Dark Claw from the Evolgum universe out of a light-up Wolverine figure. Without getting too deep into the details, the five steps involve cut off unwanted parts, (laughs) which sounds painful. And uh, yeah, Uh, two, armor, mask, and belt. Three, apply the boot wings. I was like, wait a minute, boot wings? (laughs) I don't remember Dark Claw and boot wings. Uh, Four is priming the figure and molding the cape and number five painting your figure now michael the resulting toy is pretty fantastic and i honestly i wish it would have been produced by kenner or toy biz at some point just like dc and marvel combined it would have been awesome to see kenner and toy biz combine their departments and do amalgam figures don't you think i'm so shocked they didn't that would have made a gazillion dollars could you imagine amalgam figures i I have to believe avi arad probably called over to kenner and was like hey or hasbro was like what do you think and they're like forget you (laughs) we got star wars but man it would make so much money it's a pretty good looking figure though i would say for for a custom homemade figure back yeah and and i know michael a lot of times you know in our private chats and stuff you will send me photos of custom action figures is there one recently that you've seen that really got you excited or is there you know one that you could just think of all time like this is the best one i ever saw because you sent me a spider-man one recently like the tom holland spider-man yeah that was pretty good what was Um, he dressed as again what was it was ben riley right yes yeah so actually i was just talking to a guy today on instagram who does custom one six scale like molds and heads for like hot toys and 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 other things (laughs) and he did a christian bale batman begins head sculpt of the cowl that you'd think you were looking at a real picture it was unreal i asked him how much it would cost and it was more than the actual figure (laughs) i said uh thanks great cool but it was unbelievable my one of my very good friends he does custom 
figures as well. And I'm dying for him to make me a one six scale Tubbs and Crockett. <laughs> oh man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> Speaking of custom action figures, the Homemade Heroes contest in this issue features some amazing creations like a Mohawk Storm, which began as Angela from Spawn and Void from Wildcats figures, a Hank Pym yellow jacket that used to be an Iron Man backlash toy, a hilarious gun-toting Aunt May created from an Invisible Woman figure. An entire team of the original 60s X-Men made from various figures. A pretty nice Scud, the disposable assassin, created from a RoboCop body. A built-from-scratch onslaught and wholly original sculpt of a 1960s-era Avengers team. An impressive Colossus made from a He-Man figure, which kind of makes sense. And the grand prize winner made a jack-in-the-box from Kurt Busiak's Astro City built out of a Toy Biz Octo Spidey figure. That lucky winner walked away with an original page of Astro City comic book art by the series artist Brent Anderson and the first six issues of Astro City signed by Kurt Busiak and Anderson. Wow, that's pretty cool. Isn't that so nice like Toy Fair? You know, they're saying you love Astro City so much you created a figure. Here you go. We're going to get a specific prize just for you. We're not just giving you some generic thing. I think that's really neat. I think that's pretty cool. Now, Michael, also in this issue, Toy Fair brings back an old favorite of mine from Wizard, which is called the Ultimate Action Figure Stress Test by John Seals. Originally, he did the Ultimate Comic Book Stress Test, and that was an uh, episode where you weren't on, but the guy from the Dollar Bin Bandits were, and they okay. hated it. They were so mad that he was destroying the comic books. They're like, I can't believe it. And I was like, this is funny. They're like, it's not funny. <laughs> But to me, I love it because it's a ridiculous photo piece where John pits a 70s Mego Spider-Man doll against a 90s Toy Biz Spider-Man figure to see which can withstand the most punishment. So the torture includes being soaked in sausage gravy and chewed up by Seal's dog, Zack the Malamute, who actually becomes a Toy Fair favorite. He continues on in the pages of the magazine. And then with the win going to Mego Spidey as the dog's chew toy of choice. Next, the figures were frozen in a bowl of water and released from their icy prison by a smashing of a hammer. <laughs> the fact that the Toy Biz Spider-Man, his sleek body, lacked a soggy cloth costume by the end of it made him the winner. Mm. On the flip side, the toys were then exposed to a heat gun, which melted the Toy Biz figure into a puddle of goo instantly, while the Mego figure refused to die and came out the winner. It's actually funny, as John is telling him, he's like, my photographer was getting impatient, kids from the neighborhood kept coming by going what are you doing why are you out here why are you wrecking this toy beat it kids you know <laughs> so I just, thought that was funny. just took forever i was like mego indestructible both of the toys were then baked into a fruit pie with even results which ended in a draw <laughs> which <laughs> baking figures in a pie it just it sounds like an old mother goose rhyme but when the yeah, figures like were stoner's thing to do <laughs> yeah you know it'd be cool put this thing in a pie and bake it yeah yeah man <laughs> yeah man <laughs> 
But when the figures were pitched like baseballs and smashed with a bat christened Mjolnir, the softer plastic body of Migos Spider-Man survived mostly intact, while the brittle Toybus figure was shattered into a million pieces. Seals then tried to electrocute the toys with his car battery, but since plastic doesn't conduct electricity, he just ran them over with his car, which surprisingly found the Toybus Spider-Man surviving the torture mostly intact. Then, for the grand finale, this madman tied up the figures in firecrackers and lit the fuse. After the fireworks, the legs of Nico Spidey's cloth costume were singed, and so the victory went to Toy Biz Spider-Man, who basically came out unscathed. So there you go, guys. Just, you know, blow up your figures. They'll be fine. Be mental. Yeah, just the, the, the ideas that this guy had. You know, I love it. Now, each figure won three contests apiece, so ultimately it all came out as a draw. But the funny thing is... I feel like Toy Fair could have saved themselves a lot of trouble if they had just sent the figures to you, Michael, because given your track record, they would have just disintegrated in your hands. They would have been destroyed in no time. <laughs> uh, I would have found a way. Yeah, don't know about this. In our Action Figure Fury series on YouTube, Michael once brought out all the toys that he had destroyed, including a Lex Luthor figure from Toy Biz that was just literally in pieces. It just fell apart in his hands. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it like spontaneously combusted. I was like, yeah. what happened to this thing? Oh. oh man, I'm sure there are probably more figures in my parents' basement that I don't even know that are like missing limbs and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, oh man, I had all the Ghostbusters. The only one that I know is still alive is Egon, but he has no hands and no feet. But if I if I ever found like the Ray stands, oh my goodness, he is like really in bad shape. <laughs> He was the best chew toy, huh? Yes, he was. He was good. You went. I wanted to like knock a tooth out and get the tooth fairy to come that night. So. Well, it's so it's on the flip side of that, Michael. So for whatever reason, my son he loves his figures so much. He's four years old, but he takes care of these things. I guess he's learned from me because he wanted my vintage Ghostbusters figures. So I bought him a set for cheap that were in played with you know condition for for his mm -hmm. birthday, and he loves those things. We play with those every day, and he puts them away in the like he just makes sure you know that they're in good condition so i don't know this generation they get the collector's gene in them they might yeah, very well yeah I, I try to tell my daughters all the time, don't put barbie's hand in your mouth don't chew it don't go over <laughs> you'll, you'll regret it later i promise the next up though uh, much like wizard had their top 10 hottest comics this special issue introduces toy fair's first ever top 10 hottest action figures and here is the list Starts off, I'm shocked, with number 10 being Rhino from Spider-Man by Toy Biz. Yeah, actually, it, they, there was some sort of controversy that they mentioned in one of the articles about the Rhino figure. I think it like either got released late or the original paint job was wrong and they had to re-release it. Like there, there's something there. Like even at this time, Puzzle Zoo was running ads like, hey, we're selling you a repainted Rhino figure, I guess, because so many people couldn't get it originally. That's so funny. So number nine is a figure that I actually have is the Penguin from the Batman the Animated Series by Kenner. A buddy of mine gave it to me a few years ago and my children started playing with it. It had the, the jacket and all the all the features and everything. And now they're all over the place. Oh, <laughs> man. 
I had to like the kids want to play with it. I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead, play with it. Number eight is the male ball baligo Malbolgia. Malbolgia by McFarlane Toys. I don't know where that figure is. So it is sorry. the giant figure of the representation of the devil in Spawn Comics. Oh, okay. Number seven is the Cygor figure, another McFarlane Toys action figure. Okay, cool. Number six is the Lando Calrissian from Star Wars Power of the Force by Kenner. Pretty cool. Number five is the Max by McFarlane Toys. Number four is a 12-inch Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi by Kenner. Now, Michael, the thing about this on the list, though, because, you know, Toy Fair love to just get silly, is the Obi-Wan Kenobi is actually flashing the reader. There is a censored bar going across his crotch. <laughs> I was trying to glaze over that one. <laughs> Number three is the Han Solo in Carbonite by Kenner. Okay, sure. Cool. Can't really Are you ready for it. this, Michael? Here we go. Number two is Leia in Bausch Disguise. Boosh! Boosh! Boosh, The mighty Boosh! No, but do you remember in Return of the Jedi, when she goes to rescue Han Solo, she's in that, like, helmet, and then eventually she takes it off? Oh, yeah. That That is the costume. Oh, That is the Boosh they were mentioning at the top. (laughs) And funny enough, number one is also... Princess Leia from Star Wars Power of the Force by Kenner. It should be mentioned that despite their top tier status, both Leia figures are mocked for their terrible head sculpts, which I don't know why they were picked the top. They are the ugliest of all the figures by far. Yeah, like I don't understand what makes them so desirable, but they look bad. Like it's, it's Maybe really strange. Just rarities? Maybe they're just rare? I don't know. Could be, but yeah, they, they refer to Leia as having a monkey face, which <laughs> is unfortunate. Yeah, it's a bad head sculpt. Both of them are. And, and they're kind of the same, just with different hairstyles. Yeah, it's actually funny. They interview Mark Hamill in that Star Wars section, you know, that, that we skipped over. And he mentions about his figure. He's like, I've been working out. Like, <laughs> he's pretty amazed because he says, like, I don't think they ever really tried to get my likeness in any of the toys. They were just generic. Uh, but I love how he says here, Hamill laughs at the question of what has been the wildest Star Wars toy with Luke's image on it. Well, there's the sweat socks, which let little kids walk all over me. And then there's the underoos where you can sit on my face. <laughs> so, yeah, Mark <laughs> Hamill's had his face on a lot of things, I guess. Apparently. But that does it for that original winter special. Support for Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WIZARDS20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 14 million balls. <laughs> and speaking of balls, Michael, we're so excited to have Manscaped as a sponsor. And I will tell you, not only me, but my wife. As soon as I mentioned that Manscaped was coming on board as a sponsor, she got very interested in my balls. I'm just telling you, we've been having conversations. She is so excited about where my personal grooming has gone. All the time we've been married, she's like, I can't believe you're so hairy. Well, dear, I'm trim and looking good just for you. But honestly, it is really improved her interest in this guy. 
That's 100% true, by the way. As soon as I said Manscaped, she's like, what is it? I said, it's for your balls. She's like, really? You're going to trim your balls? I'm like, yes. My wife is like, what are you going to shave it into? Like a deep V or like, I'm like, I don't know. Bat symbol, maybe? Who knows? Michael, let me ask you this. How has Manscaped helped your confidence? Actually, it's really invigorated me like for personal grooming. And I'm a little bit of, I don't know, preppy nerd and you know i like to feel clean when i got this product and i started using it i feel great i really feel like a different person like you feel cleaner you feel more invigorated i really like it well here's the thing geeks manscape sent us each the performance package 4.0 and it truly is a game changer like michael's telling us because inside this package you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker era nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies so the lawnmower 4.0 is the future of grooming and dare i say say the greatest ball trimmer ever you're not kidding their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000 kelvin led spotlight you need for a more precise shave and because this trimmer is waterproof you can say goodbye to that mess on the bathroom floor now, the Lawnmower 4.0 is great, but here's the thing. You want to take your grooving game to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. And here is the thing, Michael. I have not been kind to myself when it comes to trimming those nose hairs because I'm not trimming. I'm yanking. Jeez. And man, ugh, it is, am I tearing up? Montana to... torture right there. <laughs> So the good news now is with the Weed Whacker, I can use it and it's just, it's a smooth experience. It's over and done with. I don't have to dread cleaning out those nose hairs and the ear hairs too, because yep, as I'm getting older, they're growing out there too. So the Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes, even those self-imposed tugs. (laughs) Sounds like a personal problem there. (laughs) Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I tell you, fellas, from somebody who works in New York City and walks like six or seven miles a day, by the end of the day, I need that ball deodorant because it can be rough. Your balls will thank you. Trust me from someone who's used it. It is fantastic. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts with their Performance Package 4.0. Escapes boxers and their shed travel bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WIZARDS20. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WIZARDS20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code WIZARDS20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now back to the show. As we get into the spring special, just a few months into 1997, the second edition of the Toy Fair special arrived with a lot of excitement on the part of Toy Fair and also Wizard Editor-in-Chief Pat McCallum. So I'm going to read here what the response was to that first Toy Fair special that we just covered, okay? So here is what Pat says. This is the last Toy Fair special. It was early January when Garib Sheamus, Wizard Press publisher, came down to my 
office gave me the news. Needless to say, I was pretty shocked. We talked, going over how the reaction to Toy Fair, the guide to collectible toys, was and what we expected and how we were off on the projected sales. We went over how we misjudged public demand for an entire magazine based solely on toys and even after they left my office, I still couldn't believe what I heard. Now I gotta get Toy Fair out every month! Yep, you heard what I did. Toy Fair is set to join Wizard, the Guide to Comics, and Inquest, the Guide to Collectible Card Games, as a monthly Wizard Press publication. All that talk about misjudging public demand? See, we messed up in a good way. The first Toy Fair Special Edition released last November sold out nationwide in a matter of days, followed by thousands of fan letters clamoring for more Toy Fair. So okay, more Toy Fair it is! Isn't that wild? That is pretty wild. That's pretty yeah. cool. I want to mention one thing just for Wizard history, is that people might recall we covered this very briefly way back when. The first sister publication to Wizard was called Collector's Sports Look, where Garib was trying to get in on the sports card market, yes, and it I tanked. I mean, they pushed it for a year, but it just it, it disappeared. And a lot of that staff came over to Wizard anyway <laughs> to work for them. But I, I just think it's funny because... You know, when Garib was kind of pushing stuff out, it maybe wasn't the right mindset. Pat had the fan mindset. He knew what worked. And here we go. Toy Fair is uh, picking up steam. So this issue features an epic Venom versus Spider-Man cover that brought to life the cover of Amazing Spider-Man 316 by Eric Larson using custom Mego-style dolls once again created by Charlie Flat. We've been told in the past interviews on the Wizard Files that these figures generated a lot of mail from people demanding to know where to buy them. Not realizing they were customs, luckily, the issue contains a feature by cover artist Charlie Flat on how to create custom Mego figures on your own. In keeping with how to make a homemade hero feature in the winter special, where they made a dark claw figure, this tutorial breaks down the creation of a super soldier from the Amalgam universe. Uh, truth be told, though, if you didn't have years of sculpting training to be able to make custom heads and muscular torsos, the average reader wasn't going to get the same results. Luckily, I have a friend who is an amazing sculptor that made me a custom Adam West Batman statue, as well as Indiana Jones. The Hulk, Batman 89, Danny DeVito Penguin, wow. Jack Nicholson Joker, what? and I think it's a Killing Joke Joker as well. That he made me another one as well. Or The Man Who Laughs. One of the, one of those issues. One of those covers. Yeah, I have all of them. And they are absolute works of art. I've shared during the episodes of our Action Figure Fury on our YouTube channel. So go back and check those out. And once I get all of them out of storage and in my new display cases, I'll share some pictures on our social as well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. People got to see them. Yeah, because they are they are very impressive. And even I They'll haven't seen all of them. They'll rob my house. They'll rob my house now. <laughs> so uh, now the thing is here as we get into the letters section.
I will mention just a few things about the issue. It came packed with a Brian Douglas Ahern poster and also featured a mail-away offer for an exclusive Kitty Pride as Shadow Cat figure, a toy which we were actually gifted by a member of the Wizard staff who grabbed it out of the warehouse in Gardner's New York, which is very nice. But we gotta say, it wasn't all warm, fuzzy feelings when it came to exclusive figures being offered by Toy Fair. As mentioned earlier, you know, Wizard ran ads promoting that mail-away offer for the Molten Man figure of the Winter Special, which caused one snubbed Toy Fair reader to type out an angry email. He says, Dear Toy Fair, today I got my Molten Man order form from Toy Fair back in the mail with return to sender stamped on it. The envelope was unopened. I guess it's obvious that your 7,500 limited production run of these figures ran out and you decided to force American taxpayers to fund the returning of all subsequent order forms. This is unbelievable. I tried to give you money to make me a figure and it's literally refused. The screwing over of collectors by limited editions has never been more blatant than this, but I'm sure a bunch of speculator bastards who don't even know who Molten Man is ordered this. I'm out the price of the magazine, which I wouldn't have bought if not for the offer, the cost of a check and a stamp, and I've got nothing to show for it except an incomplete Toy Biz Spider-Man collection. Until now, I've never felt like just giving up on this whole collecting business for a while and having someone call me when the speculators go home and or die. <laughs> Eric Sansony. And he's sending it to us from a college email. So <laughs> a college boy is a little upset. And Toy Fair says, yes, 7,500 Molten Men action figures sold out. No, American taxpayers did not foot the bill. We paid a boatload of return postage on these suckers. The manufacture of action figures, a bit unfortunately, goes like this. You have to broadcast a number to a plant before they can even start to crank out action figures. They need to know how much material they'll need, how much the cost will be based on those materials, and most importantly, they need a quantity to put the job on their schedule. The manufacturing and shipping process then takes six months. We had to place the order for Molten Man in August of 96. Toy Fair came out in November of 96. We had no track record, having never published Toy Fair and having never done a toy offer before. So we took our best guess and decided 7,500 would be a safe number in case it bombed and would probably be enough to satisfy the demand if it was a hit. We guessed wrong. And we've learned from that. There will be more Kitty Pride figures available than Molten Man. And although it's impossible to tell from the outside of an envelope who's a speculator bastard and who isn't, we hope all these figures wind up in the hands of fans. By the way, Eric, we're very confident that there's at least $3.99 worth of joy, or $5.49 Canadian, in every issue of Toy Fair. Figure offer or no. So if the offer is the only reason you bought the mag, send us your address. We'll send you a refund. Zing! <laughs> wow. Killing oh. it with kindness. Seriously. Man. So the next one is, it starts off, Toy Fair People. I loved the offer for the Molten Man figure. I also have a few thoughts about it. One, why did you choose Molten Man instead of a character more deserving to be made into a figure like Daredevil or Captain America? Two, I think you guys should continue to have offers like this each month. Three, make the price for each offer five bucks from Big Mac. <laughs> No location, just Big Mac. I, I have a theory that that is Macaulay Culkin. He just didn't want to out himself. I don't know about that. <laughs> we, we, we could dream. So, so the Toy Fair response is, we love Lil Multi ourselves, and we have a few replies to your thoughts. One, Toy Biz already had Daredevil and Cap figures in the works, and therefore would not allow us to do them on exclusive basis. Two, we're thinking about it. Let us know what you think. 
Three, fulfilling through the mail one piece at a time gets pretty darned expensive. Unfortunately, eight bucks is as fine as we can cut things. Yeah, so really interesting there, like how big these these custom action figures, these exclusives from Toy Fair become. Because literally, like for almost the entire life of the magazine, there is always a custom exclusive figure that they have created, which is amazing. You think of all the half issues that Wizard was doing, Toy Fair was just doing custom action figures, which is a whole, I mean, just the production process they just explained in that other letter. Like, that's amazing they were able to get that fast a turnaround. All right. Now, the Fanfare Letters page also features an informative sidebar called Toy Lingo, which is filling in new collectors on the terms of the trade, like aftermarket, loose, carded, short-packed, and reissue, things like that. But they also announced the winner of the Dark Aegis Prototype Contest, where readers had to identify all the Toy Biz parts that made up the Combo Man-style action figure, which we were talking about. So here we go, Michael. Let's reveal it here. The head was your least favorite Ghost Rider character, Danny Ketch. Of course. Of course. (laughs) The right arm came from the wizard, who I believe was part of the Fantastic Four line. The right hand that I identified was Cyclops. The left arm that you thought was Colossus, I thought was, you know, I, I don't said know. that red guy. I was thinking Crimson Tino. That's what I remember what his name was. <laughs> Crimson, red, same difference. I thought so. Left hand is Submariner, which you think you'd be able to figure it out from the gauntlet, but I guess not on its own. The torso was Skullfire from X-Men 2099. The right thigh was Man Spider. The right calf was Grey Gargoyle. So you were talking about that stone. Yeah, who would have got that? Who would have got Grey Gargoyle? (laughs) If you were collecting Iron Man toys, I guess you would have. The left thigh was Savage Land Wolverine. Uh... And the left calf was just like a black foot. But that was Spider-Sense Spider-Man. Okay. But that's pretty obscure stuff. So the guy who won that definitely earned it. Um, But another reader, they announced, won a custom Bullseye Mego figure created by Charlie Flat after they identified all the hidden toys in this Toy Fair scavenger hunt contest. This was not mentioned anywhere in the first issue. Maybe I'm missing a page. Maybe there was like a pack-in little, like, uh, sometimes they would put in these like postcard-sized things or little like subscription, you know, tickets. Maybe that's what it was, but there was no mention of a mystery contest in there. So I've summoned as like a super Toy Fair fan. We want to hear about it on social media. Find us. Hey there, geeks. Adam here with a little after-the-fact clarification on that scavenger hunt deal. So when we recorded the episode, we just had two reader copies of the Toy Fair specials that we had had in the archives for quite a while, but it felt like something was missing when we couldn't answer the question about the scavenger hunt contest, and so we actually ordered two sealed copies, and wouldn't you know, there was a full revelation there, uh, because when we got the winter special, it said free spawn poster, and I was like, free spawn? spawn poster but when you open it up inside there was this quadruple fold poster that says McFarlane Toys it has Wizard logo on one side Toy Fair logo on the other and then basically shows off all the spawn McFarlane Toys action figures but it also has on the back a Brian Douglas Ahern drawing his famous cartoon style of cramming a bunch of things into one image called Toy 
Toyman's garage sale. And so what's going on here is that right next to it, you have the Toy Fair scavenger hunt. And it says, want to drive your toy collective buddies nuts? Yeah? Great. We here at Toy Fair believe that the only thing more enjoyable than owning a really cool toy is owning one your buddies can't. So how do you go about driving a wedge between you and your bestest buddy? Simple. Just win our grand prize. And so there are some pictures of more custom Mego style figures, like the ones that grace the cover of the magazine itself. And it says, grand prize. See those spiffy keen superhero toys on the right? They're all custom made by toy crafter extraordinaire Charlie Flat. And if you're our lucky winner, he'll turn anybody you want into a fully posable, super detailed, kick-ass piece of art. You want Spawn? You got him. Wolverine? No problem. Luke Skywalker? Rorschach? Vampirella? You name it. You got it. Second prize? Nothing. Nada. Zippo. Go play with Malibu Barbie. So, how do you win? Easy. And I'll just paraphrase here. What they're saying is they give you a list of 57 toys. Some are action figures, some are vehicles that were drawn into this garage sale setting. And so what you have to do is identify them. They say you can like photocopy it and circle them. Whoever gets the most, or if there is a tie, they'll draw from all the people that got the same amount that got the most. But that is the deal. You will get a custom Mego figure. And of course, as it said there, the winner won a bullseye. That is what he selected as the character that he really wanted. So I had to provide that because I was very excited to know that there was a whole extra little goodie in there that we were missing and now we have it. Just to clarify something about the poster and contest that were included in the spring special for Toy Fair. Again, we got this sealed copy and wouldn't you know it, inside was another Brian Douglas Ahern poster and this time it was kind of a Star Wars cantina setting filled with all sorts of sci-fi characters from various properties. And on the back of it, you have the Crush the Rebellion, win the Kenner Star Wars Imperial Fleet. Want to kill a bunch of rebels and subjugate the galaxy? Yeah? All right. Just fulfill your part of the bargain and you can walk off with the mother of all Star Wars prizes, the entire Imperial Fleet. Okay, okay. They're just toys and you probably get your ass kicked if you tried taking over anything with them, but they're still the coolest friggin' ships ever made. The loot. You heard us the first time. You win the entire Imperial Fleet. That includes a TIE Fighter, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter, the ATST, the ATAT, Cruise Missile Trooper, Speeder Bike, a Swoop, and even Boba Fett Slave One. Need pilots, you say? Heck, we'll give you pilots and then some. You also win a dozen Stormtroopers, including some Sand Troopers, and one of each Darth Vader, a TIE Fighter Pilot, Imperial Gunner, ATST Driver, Crowd Control Stormtrooper, Imperial Probe Droid, the Emperor Fella, and uh, even though you don't need their kind of scum, Bosk, Greedo, IG-88, and Boba Fett. So once again, they have a huge list of 68 characters that are mixed into this wonderful drawing by Brian Douglas Ahern. And if you get the most or you are selected from all the other people who get the most, then you win that whole Imperial fleet of Kenner Star Wars figures and vehicles. Now, I just want to point out here some of the characters that really jumped out at me because they're not like your standard sci-fi fare because you have Crow and Tom Servo from Mystery Science Theater 2000. You have Deckard from Blade Runner. You have Green Lantern Tomar 2 because essentially Green Lantern comics are sci-fi. You know, they're space cops. Uh, they also have Marvin the Martian, Max Headroom, and Zan and Jaina from the Super Friends and the Wonder Twins. So just a lot of fun stuff in there. They even stuck Space Ghost into the mix. So again, just a little clarification for the sake of being totally complete in our coverage of 
this Toy Fair magazine. So now back to me and Michael chatting it up about the Toy Fair Spring Special. But next up, we've got... <laughs> the news section is dominated by announcements of new Marvel Comics-based toy lines by Toy Biz. The first story is about the Avengers Legends of Power figures featuring Thor, Loki, Scarlet Witch, and the Heroes Reborn Iron Man. When asked why they chose the Jim Lee redesign look for Tony Stark's alter ego, a Toy Biz rep simply says, it just looks very cool. <laughs> Okay, sure. Also announced is a Silver Surfer toy line based on the upcoming animated series, which features Silver Surfer, Nova, a Megan alien, and the first ever Beta Ray Bill figure. Wow, I've seen this Beta Ray Bill Bill figure. It's pretty cool. Also planned is a 10-inch Silver Surfer with Infinity Gauntlet. Isn't that wild? I wonder if that one actually got produced. Like, I just can't imagine seeing that, you know, in toy stores. Like, uh, Silver Surfer with Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, I know it was hugely popular, but it was hugely popular like six years before, you know? Yeah, for sure. Finally, Toy Biz is also releasing a series of Mego-sized dolls with cloth costumes called Marvel Famous Covers, which will recreate classic cover art with characters like Spider-Man, Wolverine, Storm, Doctor Doom, Green Goblin, and a special mail-away exclusive Aunt May doll. Because (laughs) who doesn't want an Aunt May doll? And it is hideous. If you've seen this thing, it is. It is no good. But I will say that I didn't buy a lot of these. I have bought like three or four of the Mego-sized dolls over the years. Like I actually have a, a Dark Phoenix one in my closet but the one I'm most proud of it is a recreation of these two issues where black costume Spider-Man and Julia Carpenter teamed up which I had in my long box and then I said they produce dolls of this and so it is so cool like it's this gatefold double door opening thing that reveals them in the package it's all like golden inlays that they're sitting in like it is a beautiful production so I, I was really impressed by this series that's cool I own no Mego figures I've never bought one I've never had an interest to buy one ever no no migos in this house you don't even have one as a kid like i had migo spider-man i had migo eric estrada and hulk of course you did (laughs) they had many adventures together Uh, i believe it speaking of many adventures that probably only happened in my house jumping off the toy biz news train just for a moment here because we can't escape it kiss trades vinyl for plastic reveals that todd mcfarland has created action figures of the rock group kiss to coincide with their reunion tour says todd quote the audience at kiss concerts whether they know it or not are in the same demographic as spawn toy fans i think gene simmons was aware that we could do the line better than anyone gene controls kiss like i control spawn there are a lot of similarities between us that make us understand each other so we're a perfect fit now michael i've mentioned this before my one and only san diego comic-con the only thing i walked away with from that experience were these mcfarland kiss figures I adored them. I loved them. I mean, they had missile launching guitars and drum kits and all this stuff. But honestly, I had just become a fan of the band and all I wanted was the band in toy form. So I built this huge stage. I painted it. It was all cardboard. It had levels to it. I suspended Gene Simmons from the ceiling with fishing line. I had them all in concert style poses. Like it was my favorite thing. I still have them to this day. Did you ever see the Kiss figures when you were out and about? Oh yeah, I've seen them at Fourth World. I've seen them at 
at a muck time. I've seen them all over the place. Yeah, I've seen Kiss figures many times. Yeah, yeah they they are very. How can I say it? they're they're prevalent on the collector's secondary market. Most stores that you walk into, because McFarland just kept producing different Kiss figures for years yeah. and years. So I don't know if I've ever seen the original ones that you're talking about, mm-hmm. but I've definitely seen Kiss figures many times over for sure. Yeah, and for me, like the the fun thing was the original ones came. They each member of the band came with a letter in the Kiss logo, and you put them together but then later on they re-released them and they all had a record like a mini vinyl record instead of the letter which was kind of fun but what's next here michael okay indie comic superstars were also getting action figures at this time as a prototype sketch for billy tucci's she toy is shared as well as the painted prototype of an Ash figure based on the Joe Casada, Jimmy Palmiotti comic book hero being manufactured by Palisades Toys. Finally, barely dressed bad girl, is it Helena? Yeah, I think it's Helena. I, th- yeah. I think so. Is also getting a figure that's too hot for Toys R Us by Skybolt Toys. It should be noted that in the last issue, it was reported that Warrior Nun Ariella was being produced, and this issue features a back cover ad for a gold edition figure limited to 700 pieces. Even Chaos Comics and Lady Death were getting in on the action, but we'll talk about that later in this episode. Just to mention that Warrior Nun Ariella is a figure that I remember seeing at the toy stores be like, what is this character? And then you you Years later, I just this last week read a few of those comics. They're pretty awesome. Like we we covered Rob Liefeld's uh, Maximum Press book, Avengelin, which is a very similar concept. Warrior Nun Ariel is way cooler. <laughs> You're going to cool. mix superheroics and uh, the Catholic Church. It works much better there. But the biggest news is the 1997 International Toy Fair, where they have a preview section cramming dozens of action figures into 11 pages to promote all the toys hitting stores in the new year from Toy Biz, Kenner, Playmates, McFarlane Toys, everything from Spider-Man and Hulk to Star Trek to the Steel and Batman and Robin movie lines are featured. So, Michael, let's just take a look here real quick. Which of these figures look the best to you and which look the worst? (laughs) Because, like I said, this thing really runs the gamut in terms of putting on display what was, I guess, considered uh, how you got toys sold in 1997, which we're going to talk about shortly here. Where do you want to start? there's so many well yeah that's what i'm saying like just if something's jumping out at you as you flip through like the one that jumps out to me is just looking super awesome i and i didn't even know this existed because i remember the first wave of the hulk series of toys because they were super cool i still i you know i have the gray hulk mr fix it i have the she hulk from that line but they have in this next wave a hulk 2099 figure which i had no idea they ever produced and i have to track this thing down now because i, I mean i i want it <laughs> there's like there's a 2099 hulk figure this is the best thing ever <laughs> i mean just because it was in toy fair like international was it actually created though yeah I, just... I did look it up on ebay they go for like 40 or 50 bucks so oh, that's wow. the only thing i there was a, a loose one for about half that it was weird it's still in the plastic holder but it doesn't have the bubble or the card so it's really strange so i might just buy that one and have it loose but ah, i want it there's so many figures here I, i'm like <laughs> yeah well while you're looking the one i want to mention too that uh, just stood out to me is they show 
show the Batman and Robin uh, figures? Yes, I was just getting there. I was literally just getting there. Yeah. yeah. I was, but what do you, you know. notice about the Batgirl figure? So the Batgirl, and this is one of the biggest things that I've been, because I've wanted to get this figure for a while, and I've kind of watched it on eBay a little bit. It has a full cowl. Yeah. Because in the, like, in the publications before they actually made the costume, she was supposed to have a full cowl, not yeah, with just the a ears and everything. Yeah. And and somewhere in production, they were like, uh, you know, Alicia Silverstone's too pretty to cover her whole head, so let's just, you know, give her a domino mask instead. Um, I could have gone either way. I I would love to see it with a cowl, but I, you know, I understand why they did it the way they did it as well. So it's fine either way. I have or had a handful of these figures. Oh. I have that that Robin with the orange costume. I still mm-hmm. have that guy. Oh yeah, I remember you showed that off once. Yep. Batman has got like the metallic chest plate and the and the metal arms and legs with the ice skates. That was one of those like quick change kind of Batmans that like his his Bruce Wayne suit was underneath and he just attached those pieces. I have that figure. Oh. Now if you look to the far left Batman is holding these two metal looking like big half circle like spikes and, and something attached to his back. Uh-huh. I have that figure still. That's in, in great condition. Wow. You bought a lot of Batman and Robin figures. I was totally done with Batman by this point. I was like, oh, keep it. I actually just saw one at a thrift store recently. I didn't pick it up. I was just like, I don't need this. <laughs> I, I bought them before I saw the movie. So let's, let's, just, uh, let's get it straight. There we go. <laughs> let's get it straight here, <laughs> sir. What else did I have here? I I mean, is there, as you're looking through, is there one that just looks terrible to you? Like, as you're flipping through, you're like, ah, I would definitely not have bought that. I actively dislike that. <laughs> so uh, the, the Poison Ivy in the main group is, is not good. I've seen it. It's pretty ugly. I'm kind of funny when it comes to certain characters. Like, I'll use this Jean Grey, for example, on the first page. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, this is not a good looking Jean Grey, just because I don't like the way the hair is designed. You know, I don't know. I'm just finicky like that. <laughs> As, Although it a... is like the first time we got an official design, like she looked on the 90s animated series, which was probably a big deal at the time. Yes. I do like this storm. I don't normally see a good storm figure. This is pretty good. It is. I, I think this is the best storm figure. It looks yeah. amazing. Like you yeah, don't need the water feature that is next to it but either way i think that's pretty cool but the one that that sticks out to me is just i is so ugly is there is this spider-man spider force series where they all have bug armor and they have the wasp and she looks like mutated she has like orange skin and antennas and like spider-man isn't mutated like it's i don't understand like we're gonna get into how they kind of justified these weird choices in just a minute here but like i don't know that that really upset me i was like why would you do that i don't think we had gotten a wasp figure up to this point the first one you released just looks terrible yeah but michael i think let's let's get it out of the news and on to the pegs because there are a lot of good features in this issue they really kind of you know stepped up their game for the final special
The first one here, Singular Sensation, is an interview with the Toy Biz higher-ups about how their team works to keep the Spider-Man line marketable after having created more than a hundred figures over a three-year period. So if you just want to know how prolific Toy Biz is, that's just the Spider-Man line. That doesn't include X-Men and everything else. They refer to the X-Men, though, as a bottomless pit of new characters. There's just so many designs. And mention the fact that Kenner has produced a hundred different styles of Batman, like you were just describing, Michael, all these different armors and everything. But the difference between the characters, says junior product manager Carlos Lopez, is that, quote, Spider-Man isn't a millionaire like Batman who creates different suits or little gadgets for himself. So they go on to explain how they justify the non-comics-based costumes and accessories, and it's revealed that Toy Biz actually would give explanations on the back of the card, stating that Spidey got help from Reed Richards or Tony Stark, you know, justifying Peter Parker's ability to add such expensive tech to his arsenal. And what's interesting about that is this is a job that former X-Men assistant editor and guest on our podcast, Jason Liebig, he said that was his gig for a while when he was on. He would have to write these little stories that fit in a paragraph to explain the toy lines at Toy Biz. Um, I'm curious, did you ever even notice that, Michael? Like, did you ever flip over the back of a box and say, oh, they're telling me why Spider-Man has this crazy armor on? Yes, I've read those things, mostly for the Batman figures. Like, why? Oh, why does this have this weird thing that was not in the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Now, as to why there are so many Spider-Man variations in each wave and so few new favorite characters from the comics, Lopez explains, quote, There might be a real cool villain, like Carrion, for example. The collector's market would eat it up, but once the collectors are done buying all the Carrions they can, there's still going to be a lot of Carrions remaining. Stop saying (laughs) Carrion. I'm tired of it. Uh, I do like the Spider-Force webcar. Though. I, I've seen that thing. I've seen, I've seen that. that at thrift stores too. That's another one where I'm just like, kids loved that, I guess. But he mentions that you could do Spidey in large quantities because kids know Spidey. So I want to ask you though, on the flip side of that, Michael, could you recall a particular figure that was a peg warmer, but you could see it was definitely meant to appease the collector's market? Like somebody sent a lot of emails that are like, fine, we'll do this character. Oh yeah, like... You see, like a, a Mister Sinister, or like like an Archangel, or something like that. You're like, who cares? <laughs> Nobody buys it, kind of thing. Well, yeah, and I, the one I'm that sure I've seen got recently, one. yeah, is like you know the the Spider-Man animated series line that they've been releasing lately, right? They're doing it in the '90s Toy Biz style. Yes, the yes. One yes. that I see everywhere is Hammerhead. This guy in a suit, yes. pinstripe suit, weird head. Nobody wanted that. <laughs> no kid wanted that. And so they go into it here. Uh, so let, let's get a little bit more detail on what the collectors needed to think about when they make requests. So the cold, hard facts of business may be hard for rabid comic fans to accept. As product manager Jesse Falcon explains, 80% of what is sold is bought by children 16 and under. That's debatable nowadays, but back then, yes, for sure. The other 20% goes to collectors, and the majority of the toys being bought by kids are bought by those 11 and younger, Lopez elaborates. Sometimes, what collectors as a group forget is that we're trying to do quality toys that make collectors happy, but we don't want to alienate kids. Face it, the kids are the largest audience. For this reason, they are releasing lines like web splashers, where each Spider-Man character comes with an inflatable pool toy accessory <laughs> to, or web traps, where each figure 
has a snapping trap accessory. Are you able to accept this reality or does it still upset you when companies create figures completely out of the continuity of the character's comic book origins? So, you know, I would say it kind of is what it is sort of thing. Like I said, with Marvel Legends, you'll you'll have like the entire like Doctor Strange 2 line, but then they'll throw in some random figure. Like, why? Why would you throw that guy in there? It doesn't make sense. For me, like I can accept, yes, kids just want like a fun accessory and you can make it extra. But like, because what they were doing at this time, a lot of them, like they were a great sculpt and then they added all this goopy armor on top, but you could take it off. So if you're the collector, you could have just the figure. If you're the kid and you want to turn Cyclops into an eyeball creature, fine. You know, but like to me, like where it went too far always is usually vehicles. And we know about this, right? This has been going on, you know, since the 70s and 80s. But like when Venom had a motorcycle and a leather jacket on, like I used to have that figure. Like I bought that. The superpowers line when you no know, Superman had that flying vehicle that he had with well, the or the super jogger that just yes. had legs and he just yes. sat in a chair. <laughs> it's like why why would you need that? I had it, but why'd you need it? You know, it's like... So it's, so it's one of those things where, like, I guess, yeah, in our old age, maybe we we having kids now. We're like, okay, you know, you want it to be interesting for the kids. They're never going to read the comics, so they would they wouldn't appreciate it. So yeah, but I don't know. It's still the, the geek in me gets a little miffed sometimes when I see that. <laughs> but this article also features a few figure design sketches from artists like Steve Scroach that didn't make it to production, such as a mashup of the Rhino and the Scorpion called Bullwhip which is pretty awesome. Or a guy named Pablo Raimondi, he drew up this melding of the Kingpin and Morbius and called it Fat Bat. (laughs) So running with this topic, Toy Fair adds a sidebar of 10 Spider-Man comics characters. They are pretty sure we'll never see the light of day. This includes Fusion, the twin terror, Slide, who was some Teflon-coded villain, Kangaroo, the answer, Rocket Racer, and Ant-Man and Uncle Ben, two-pack of dead people, <laughs> that's what they call it, the spot, the enforcers, and a shirtless kingpin. Uh, also on the list is a gag. They say the spider clone. Oh, I can't believe Toyvis made that. So our mistake, you know, it is one of those things. They still had to rip on the spider clone while they could. But I will say of all of those, I feel like the spot, he was in Spectacular Spider-Man, like issues like 97 or 98 through 100. And I thought he was super cool because he could literally throw cartoon holes in the air like in Roger Rabbit. And then he could punch through them or travel through them. And his whole body was just covered in the spots. I don't yeah, know. This, I, this, this, the spot is like the cool version of Mirror Master, I feel like. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So anyway, but um, it does feel like at this point, Michael, if you think about it, what we've discussed, when Avi Arad says he is reading wizard toy columns to figure out what to produce, Wizard and Toy Fair, I think they were just willing toys into existence. They're challenging manufacturers when they make a list like this, don't you think? For sure. Yeah, they're just like, it'll happen if we say it. (laughs) Now, uh, once again, I just want to point out that we have running along the bottom of this article, literally action figures set up in a conga line of seemingly every Spider-Man action figure ever produced since the 70s. And they have little breaks and word balloons and visual gags and things like that. There's at one point, like all the Spider-Men, they put like a Mary Jane figure. They're like, hey, how you doing? (laughs) 
So there's a lot of funny just stuff like that in there. It's like, again, this is this twisted toy fair theater, which hadn't taken full form yet, but would by the time they went monthly. So that's that's what people ultimately were kind of reading toy fair. We actually on social media, somebody said recently, oh no, it was actually on our Patreon. Somebody was like, yeah, you know what? I only read toy fair for the comedy. And that's what they delivered. So getting back to the topic of figures, Toy Fair thought would never get made. The Usual Suspects features several comics and sci-fi continuities the Toy Fair staff want to see but are not holding their breath for. Literally, all of these properties have gotten action figures. Adding to the fun are photos of custom action figures created just for the article as proof of concept, looking nothing like what actually were produced. Interesting. First up is the Dark Knight Returns, which were just released by McFarlane Toys this year and may still be in a, a store near you. I've seen them in Target a gazillion times. Uh, check them out if you like them, if you're interested in them. Next is Magic the Gathering, which were produced in the early 2000s by Hasbro. Then the Sandman cast of characters from DC's Vertigo line, which were definitely a thing in 1999. The X-Files, which had trading cards, comics, and video games, so of course they got action figures from McFarlane Toys in 1998. Babylon 5 figures literally came out the same year in 1997. Expanded Universe Star Wars toys based on the Timothy Zahn novels and Dark Horse comics may have seemed unlikely in 1997, but Toy Fair underestimated the greed of Lucasfilm and Disney in producing every Star Wars character ever. It is insane how many Star Wars figures there are. I mean, I've seen figures that I didn't even know existed in, in like the Star Wars line of figures. So Adam, what's your dream action figure line that is still yet to be produced? Oh man, I mean, I brought it up earlier and for me, I have a Spider-Man 2099 figure, you know, and there have been many. There are more to come. I saw that Hulk 2099 figure. There are X-Men 2099 figures. But I want the full universe. I want Ravage 2099. I want Doom 2099. You know, like, I want all of them. So it, I, I'm just hoping that the Across the Spider-Verse parts 1 and 2 somehow ignite that ultra interest in the 2099 line and we get all the 90s uh characters from that universe that would just make me so happy that's interesting it's a deep cut deep pull. Yep. what would be a line that i would love to see so they're kind of doing it now with the there's some of the deceased characters from dc's current story deceased but they're also doing a dc versus vampires storyline in dc and I would love to see those figures, like all of the characters made into vampires, like a la the, the Batman vampire from Elseworlds stories, but doing all of them. Might be Being kinda... sold at Hot Topic as an exclusive. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, anything that DC puts out now, I feel like it is guaranteed it will be turned into an action figure by McFarlane. It's just a matter of time. Give them yeah. two years and they will be out or less. If, if it's a Batman figure, it's coming out for yeah. sure. <laughs> Very least. Speaking of Star Wars, Revenge of the Jedi is a preview of all the new Star Wars figures that are being produced by Kenner in 1997. Did you know that Return of the Jedi was supposed to be called Revenge of the Jedi at first? I did know that. Yes, that's one of those famous things. Yeah. Promises of a first-time release of characters like 
Grand Moff Tarkin and Slave Outfit Leia have the Toy Fair staffers the most excited, but fan favorite Wedge Antilles is also mentioned as being on the way. Of course, Toy Fair can't help but make their desires known for figures that have not shown up on Kenner's in-production list, but once again, all of these figures were eventually produced. So, do you have any particular Star Wars toy you would love to see made that hasn't been made, that you know of yeah so i have a deep cut i mean it is expansive how many figures they've created even you know this whole expanded universe that they have disowned right they still make the figures up for me the it is my entry into star wars and that was the ewoks the battle for endor movie they have not made a wilford brimley figure they have not made a teak figure i just love all the characters in that. So if they could release like a five-figure collector set, it's I would so be so happy. Mention that movie because I dated a girl in college who was obsessed with that movie. <laughs> and a few years ago, maybe like two years ago, they came out with like a T-shirt for that movie, and I sent it to her husband. I'm like, you must buy this for her. <laughs> I'm just helping you out. So, yeah, I mean that. That's so like that would be for me. I need a Sindel, you know. I need a Terak or whatever. All the all those characters, I love them so much. <laughs> How about for you? Do you? Is there any Star Wars character that's a favorite of yours that you you want maybe a version of, like even from like the new Disney Plus shows or something? Well, literally today, Hot Toys just na- announced a one-six scale Padme, and I'm like, okay, you'll be getting pre-ordered. From me. <laughs> and and it, it's like the uh, Attack of the Clones one, the white costume, like that big battle sequence suit. It was like teased three or four years ago, and finally, for the like 20th anniversary of that movie, they're finally releasing that figure, which is kind of cool. In action figures, though, I would love to see a line from the the, the Andor show. Okay. I'm cool with that because I, I loved the Rogue One movie and their figures are great. I would like to see like, you know, some of the Andor things. I mean, there's been, you know, Mandalorian figures made and so on and so forth. Honestly, though, you know what I would love to see made is <laughs> a Bill Burr figure from Star Wars. Oh, yeah. From the Mandalorian. Yes. I want Bill Burr. So he bad. was pretty great in that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Speaking of which, so a, a friend of mine from high school uh, was in the Mandalorian. His name's Omid Abtahi. He was Dr. Pershing. You know, he was like a huge character, but he was in that first episode of the Mandalorian. And so for me, like I, I would just want to figure of my friend you know That's like cool. I, I i have a feeling it maybe has been produced and i just haven't seen it yet or it's on the way because again they're gonna make every character yeah for sure if there's but, money to be made they'll make them yeah now this next feature new kids on the block is sadly for me at least not about a new line of battle armor wearing figures of donnie jordan john joey and danny oh i love oh, them oh, so oh. much <laughs> But instead, it's an interview with Chaos Comics head honcho Brian Polito and famed statue sculptor Claiborne Moore about their new collaboration to create action figures of Lady Death, Evil Ernie, Purgatory, and many more. The cards will feature original art from Stephen Hughes, Jim Ballant, and Justiano and be packaged with stands for easy posing. The pair explain that the toys will only be sold in comic book stores so they don't have to tone down the edge of the character designs or put more clothes on them, you know. <laughs> for mass market chains like Walmart, the pair are also adamant that they will not do color variants just to sell more toys. For example, a lady death in red bikini is next. 
Now, what's interesting is Polito always seems to have a slight beef with other creators. And when asked about McFarland Toys' line of Total Chaos figures, he notes, quote, the most running out of ideas line of characters I've ever seen. And the name? Todd should have gotten a clue before he did that one. But the Kiss Toys, the Monster Dioramas, these toys are awesome. Adds Claiborne more to the discussion, quote, McFarland and his company are talented enough that they shouldn't need to copy anyone's ideas or anyone's names. So, you know, obviously he's saying we're Chaos Comics and they created total chaos, which makes people think they're like related. Probably wasn't in Todd's mind, but I do find it funny though that Polito is ripping on someone else for stealing names because he called his Chaos Comics fan club the Fiend Club, which is the name that the punk band the Misfits gave their fan club in the 80s. So he's a thief and <laughs> he's calling out somebody else. Come on. Can you imagine though a new kid on the block battle armor action figure? Oh, it would have been amazing. I wish they would have done that a second season of the cartoon series and they just went all like Mech Warrior. <laughs> Did they ever do a Pro Stars action figure line? I of, like, wish. That, that's Bo the one Jackson. I should have said that I wish would be produced. Yeah, oh, Pro man. Stars. Bo Jackson, Wayne Gretzky, and Michael Jordan. would be fantastic. Instead, oh. all we got were Shaquille O'Neal action figures. You remember Kenner did Shaq toys? How could I? I, I, I tried to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they did it again with the steel toys that looked nothing like Shaq. you think like they would just use the old molds. Put nope. steel armor on him. Sad, but true. Another fascinating group of homemade heroes appear in this issue, starting out with a Megog from, from Kingdom Come figure made out of a toy biz cable, which seems very appropriate, honestly, and that probably would work very well. well. What's crazy is I never made that connection until I saw it in this. I was like, oh yeah, he's basically just supposed to be cable, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's more or less cable. So a very silly plastic man and an entire 90s Legion of Superheroes lineup that includes a leather jacket Superboy. Also in the mix is a bizarre frog spawn made from a Muppet Baby's Kermit Happy Meal toy. I have that Happy Meal toy up here on my shelf. So to imagine it turned into this creature, this hell spawn, it was hilarious to see. One ambitious sculptor created a Last Supper parody which featured a random assortment of Marvel and DC heroes with Superman in the Christ position, a trio of Gothamites including a Bane built from a He-Man body, a Zaz created from a Kenner Bruce Wayne figure, and a Commissioner Gordon Frankenstein from a bunch of, of figure parts. There's a fantastic Wonder Woman that is sculpted from a Playmates Sea Dragon figure, while a Liliandra was created from a mashup of Star Trek and X-Men toys. A cool Mr. Gone, the villain from the Max series, which I would have not known unless Adam gave me these helpful hints. <laughs> <laughs> was create uh, was constructed from unidentified materials. The grand prize went to Danny Wagner, who created an impressive line of 12 Blade Runner action figures and packaging. Now, here's the thing, Michael, about that. It's very impressive if you look at these toys. I mean, he's got Roy Batty. He's got Rachel. He's got everybody. And like, like I say, fully printed, you know, card backs and everything. But there's a reason for that. It says here, as if he didn't get enough of this stuff in his day job as a model maker at George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic, Danny Wagner loves to create homemade action 
action figures. Okay, if you are a professional who is making these things for Lucasfilm, you are not eligible for homemade heroes. Okay, there's, I, I, I would agree. <laughs> that is not okay. Like, I, I have to believe that in the first issue of the monthly Toy Fair, you will find a letter of somebody chewing out Wizard and Toy Fair. Be like, he's yeah. a ringer. <laughs> it's funny though, if you look at these. Blade Runner figures. You see the guy on the far left that's got like a white shirt with the, the blue stripes in the middle? Yes. From a distance, it looks like Dwight from from the office. A hundred percent. I saw that too and I was like, what? Yeah, that's funny. But I mean, my favorite part is that he does the James Hong character who they go into like his little frozen laboratory and he's got like all the tubes. He's got the big jacket. He's got a little setup, you know, where they picked out mm-hmm. like the frozen eyeball parts and stuff. Like so cool. I think the Wonder Woman figure, even though this is a whole line of figures, mm-hmm. I think the Wonder Woman is actually better than- Oh yeah. And these figures it's, it's like a, better than any figure they produced at this time of wonder woman like for sure without yeah. without question yeah all right now this issue ends with another top 10 hottest figures list So here's what they say. The number 10 spot is Electro from the Spider-Man Electro Spark series, which actually looks terrible. I think they're just doing it because he's so, like obscure in a way like i don't know and they have him holding an actual like electrical plug that they placed in his hand which is kind of funny yeah but number nine i felt should have been higher on the list it's the harley quinn from batman the animated series by kenner it's it's a great figure that's a really good figure it's so good and they then they say now make us a batgirl (laughs) the next one here is pretty hilarious because it's captain america which is also from the spider-man electro spark series now in wizard when they mention it they make fun of his face and all the stuff but he's much more buff than the Toy Biz one. But what's funny is you see him looking at an issue of the Liefeld Heroes Reborn and he's saying, I've got to get a better agent. <laughs> they just had to rip on Rob. Oh, Number they, seven. They him again. That's yeah. Funny. Number seven is Luke Skywalker in Endor gear from the Star Wars Power of the Force line by Kenner. Number six is Storm from the X-Men Robot Fighters series. Why is she holding scissors? <laughs> I know. And she says, ta-da! I think it's, they're literally just going for ab- absurdist humor. That's like a the, terrible looking figure. It, it's so bad. And the, the strange thing about it is they say, the short-haired Storm redeco here kicks monster butt. She doesn't have short hair. I mean, I guess she has short hair in the back, but she has long bangs. Yeah. And then they say, though, that the new Storm that we were talking about that they saw at Toy Fair is going to give it a run for its money, which I agree. That other storm is way better. Number five is Lando Calrissian again, but this time it is Skiff Guard disguise, which he was wearing when Leia had her boosh disguise in Jabba's Palace. So they just love that scene. Uh, Number four is Han Solo in Endor gear, which is weird to me because he's literally, it's just like a camouflage jacket. Yeah. What's what's the big deal? (laughs) The coat over his regular clothes. Yeah. Uh, Number three is Bib Fortuna 
from the Star Wars Power of the Force side. Like they are so into Star Wars, they just can't get enough. Yeah. Number two the is top, the top five are all Star Wars, and, yeah. and six out of ten are all Star Wars. There, there is definitely a bias here. But yeah, Emperor Palpatine from the Star Wars Power of the Force line. Uh, although I believe the original Emperor Palpatine was a mail away figure, like in the eighties, you could mail away for that one, which is kind of cool. But in the number one spot is the Lay's Potato Chip mail away exclusive spirit of obi-wan kenobi figure which was a translucent toy which was really cool it was available at this time for two proofs of purchase <laughs> and so everybody wanted to get their hands on it but i remember seeing that on bags of lay's potatoes chips just this little glowing kind of blue obi-wan now michael as we've covered all this what would you say is your biggest takeaway as you look at the action figure industry of 1997 after we've looked through these two issues biggest takeaway is toys today are way better looking in a lot of cases. <laughs> That's my biggest takeaway. You know what it is? I would say, I guess I didn't realize how many action figures were really coming out at this time. I forgot about a lot of these figures and didn't even know they existed in some cases, which is so crazy because I never would have saw these in my, my local Toys R Us. A lot of these for sure. Yeah, well, even I, who was like so into collecting figures, once I got to high school, that is one of the things I kind of left behind. I didn't, I bought them every once in a while, but really like I wasn't going to the toy store every week like I used to. And so like that, it, like you said, like so many of these I had no idea were ever produced and there are so many more to come. Like as I, as I look beyond, I'm just like, wow, there's so many. But um, what really struck me is that at this time, because they were so focused on kids, like they've been explaining to us that the biggest buying market share was from kids, that they were focused on the play factor. You got to have all these accessories. You got to have all this armor. You got to have all these things that make it extra fun. Whereas nowadays, a hundred percent, the figures are all just focused on likeness because yeah. you can digitally work on creating a model of a character and then have it come out exactly like it looked in the comic or the TV show or whatever. Like that's what everybody wants now is likeness. And so, yeah, like to me, like, I think that is like the biggest change that it is so heavy on the collector's market, even, but even the toys that come out for kids, like I've picked up a couple of the across the Spider-Verse figures, they don't come with accessories. They don't have anything. They're just the figure. They're just the character. And so, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting to see how things have changed. But yeah, you know, it is it is very much about likeness because this is why people also get so up in arms when like, you know, they they change a character in the movies or television. They're like, that's not what I dreamed it would be, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, well, in some cases that doesn't exist. But in the action figure line, if you could make it look as close to like it's ripped from the pages of a comic, that's what, what we want. You know, that's what we really, really yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's what make, I think ultimately that is the allure of action figures in general, right? It's why people love them so much is it just gets you that much closer to your favorite character being real, right? Like yeah. to you being able to be in the universe that they are a part of because you could look at them. 360 degrees and say oh that's so cool yeah. especially like the people we've had on that do their own like you know action figure comics like you know steven's friend bob winters who we've had on who has Dude, his instagram his, account he does such a good job i want to shout out his instagram so if you want to see some really cool stuff done with marvel legends action figures check out spectacular 
underscore spider Graham on Instagram. It's unbelievable what he can do with these action figures. He builds sets for them and does a lot of Photoshop and he does like battle damage on the faction figures. And it's like a continuous story. Like it's it's an actual comic. Yeah. yeah, It's like, he's making a comic out of the action figures. It's really wild. And he does like depth of field and his photography. It's really quite brilliant. And you should check it out. Spectacular underscore spider Graham. But I, I think it's wonderful that toys are still enjoyable for all of us. I hope that most of us out there are not taking the track of all the letters we read. If you're angry that you can't get your favorite toy, you can't get all these things. Like I will tell you, once again, I, I've mentioned that there's not really any modern toys I want. NECA is going to be releasing a Kino from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to The Secret of the Ooze, played you know by Ernie Reyes Jr. And I want to buy that only because I want to turn it into a Surf Ninjas Ernie Reyes Jr. custom figure. (laughs) So I got to get it. All right. Well, that does it for this Toy Fair special. We want to send you guys off into the holidays. Hope you picked up some awesome action figures, uh, found them under the tree. Maybe Santa delivered earlier than you thought. You got to put it on display. Uh, But also, we want to remind you, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss our Toy Fair roundtable discussion. It's going to be very fun, these guys. They loved working on Toy Fair together. They're very excited uh, about sharing their stories and what was involved in putting it all together. So we're going to be dropping that on our podcast feed as well. But those are just some extra uh, little bits of excitement to get you through the holidays. And then we will see you in the new year. And uh, hey, until next time, we got to come up with a a sign-off for Toy Fair. What's that going to be? But until next time, keep your figures on the card, baby. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.